Welcome to the Wellness Pie Shop, where each episode we delve into a different slice of wellness in hopes of nourishing ourselves. With the help of special guests and a little of our own irreverent insight, we'll dive into some of the ingredients that make up the whole of Wellness Pie. We're your hosts, Dina Searden. And I'm Rachel Paez. Thanks for joining us. Now grab a cup of tea, sit back and relax, and enjoy a piece of Wellness Pie. Welcome to the Wellness Pie Shop. On today's show, Rachel's back with us. Yay. (laughs) And as our guest today, we have Elliot Lee. Elliot is a social worker by trade, but now by profession has moved on and is a transformation and mindset coach. Welcome, Elliot. Yay. Thank you both for having me. This is such a pleasure. (laughs) Well, we're really excited to have you on. And in particular, when we very first started the Wellness Pie Shop, you were honestly the first person that I thought of to be on our show mm-hmm. because you have taken your values and created a life for yourself in a way that I've not known anyone else to do. And so I immediately thought of you when we when we started doing this and it's, you know, now this will be episode 25. So you'll be our quarter 25th edition or something like Yay, that. Yay. I love that. Yeah. And thank you for that beautiful reflection, Dina, because I remember when this was first in the works as we were both still um, sharing a lot of space and time together. So it's really, I really um, appreciate that reflection and I, I received that. So thank you. Well, thank you. So we start each of our episodes off on just asking a general question. And can you just tell us very briefly, what brought you to the point where you are today? It could be personal, it could be professional. Yeah, I think all of the above got me here. And I'm so grateful for the experiences of life that has taught me every single moment and lesson along the way that has brought me kind of closer to being so fully expressed, which is certainly one of my values. But I think we're talking about what got me here right now. It was truly this, this desire for more. (laughs) And that I don't say that lightly, there's always been this pull in my life where I've always felt like I'm here to like really create an impact and have an impact. And every Every moment in my life, even from early on when, you know, like, uh, you know, we all have stuff growing up and in our childhoods, but even like my father's death at an early age and witnessing and experiencing that and then how I moved through my life after that and understanding that every, everything that happens to me, either I get to use for me or I get to let it use against me and choosing to like witness all of my experiences in a way to work for me and let it work through me has really um, shaped who I am. So I guess to come full circle on your question of how did I get to where I am? It's truly through all the micro moments of life and feeling this desire for more to create such an impact through my experiences that has kind of led me to, like you mentioned and introduced me, which I love. Thank you. Cause I'm so, um, I love my background in social work. That was like my life for a decade, right? And that was my identity, as you all know. And that's what my student loan debt says is <laughs> I'm a social worker. Um, and yet I wasn't limited by that. And I got to really kind of show up fully and decide. And, you know, I love that you got to watch me unfold um, in that process of like figuring out who and what I am and really like 
instead of playing small, Mm -hmm. continuing to play small in my life, I chose to kind of stand up and say yes to that desire and to that impact that I was like always gnawing at me inside from very, very early on. And I have to say that for our listeners who don't get a chance to see you, you're young, much younger Mm -hmm. than I am. And (laughs) I just have a huge appreciation for the fact that you made a decision and you went with it. Mm -hmm. And at such a young age to realize that, you know, what you'd gone to school for wasn't working for you. It was in the vein of what you wanted to do, which was so, you know, help people, right. Mm -hmm. Have an impact on people, but it wasn't in the way that you wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in the beginning. And that's the beautiful thing is we get to shape and we get to shape shift. And like, that's, what's cool is like, I showed up and I was like, I want to help people. And I want to do that one-on-one and like social work led the way for that to happen. And then as life unfolded and my experiences unfolded, I began to like follow the breadcrumbs of what really lit me up. And it's not to say that social work wasn't it. It was in the capacity in which I was just using and working and that's okay. I have so much, a tremendous respect fucking respect for the people who do the job that we did. And I know that I, as I followed my breadcrumbs and what lit me up and what really inspired me, I knew that then the people I was helping were the, that impact was going to be much, so much greater because my impact was so much greater, if that makes sense. So the more lit up I am, you know, the better I serve period. I also think something that's interesting is in today's society, there's kind of like a stigma against coaches in comparison to licensed (laughs) clinical social workers or therapists and how I find it really respectable that you were like, did the traditional, like, this is what society is telling me I need to do in order to help people. But then realizing that it can sometimes be limiting in the way that you can navigate helping people. Mm-hmm. And coaching is such a beautiful, n- not new, but definitely more mainstream thing now mm-hmm. that in my opinion, the relationship between a client and a coach is so authentic. Mm-hmm. And I find it to be very human, which I think sometimes doesn't happen when you're with a therapist. And so I really applaud you for recognizing where that limiting factor came in, in your relationship with a client as a social worker versus it as a coach. Absolutely. And I love that you brought that up because that was the story of my life. I can even tell you a time when I was a baby social worker and I was getting licensed. And so we have supervision, right? And I remember first hearing the word coaching and I bought my first coaching book. It was like how to be a life coach. This was probably eight years, 33. So I don't, maybe even like 20, I was like 25. So like eight years ago. And I was like, what is coaching? Like, what is this? Like, that sounds like fun. Like the work I'm doing feels really heavy and hard. Like coaching sounds like a lot of fun. And I remember I said something to my, the woman I was receiving supervision from and her feedback was, why would you do something when like that, when you're already licensed, like essentially, um, Hmm. polarizing and saying, we're, we're better than coaches. You have a license or you're getting licensed. You know, you have a master's degree. And I was like, Oh, like, okay. And something like something didn't totally die inside of me. Cause I knew that it, I just knew full circle that life was going to bring me back to something bigger and better. And that's always kind of been my, my vision. Uh, but it was so interesting to watch how that was so quickly shut down by expectations and what yeah. we're supposed to do. And so even as I was kind of stepping into coaching and we, you know, I worked with a lot of social workers, there was some feedback about like, why would you do that? Like, what is the point of that? How can that even be successful? Why would you devalue yourself? And they weren't 
saying it like that because they were, you know, my peers, but also you can read between lines when people, you know, judge you for something. And I also know and have awareness that those um, are simply just projections. And it's really threatening when somebody chooses to like pursue something they love and, that, and it reflects back to someone exactly where they still are. And so yeah. I was fully aware of that experience. And looking back eight years ago at my supervisor who, who said that to me, I, I get I get that now. However, um, so interesting that this has been like a, this has been a fire in me for, I like still have the coaching book because I was like, at some point I'm going to use this. I'm well beyond that coaching book, of course, but I think it's such a fun moment in my life. Cause you really asked, how did I get here? And I'm like, I've just slowly followed the breadcrumbs. And I feel really grateful because I started in Iowa. That's where I'm born and raised and moved out to California, San Diego five years ago. And I don't know if I would have gotten to where I am right now had I not made that move also, because just out here, it feels so open and wide and expansive in terms of, in terms of um, acknowledgement and, and what people are accepting of. And like, I'm in the holistic and the alternative realm now, which is so fun. And I don't even know if I would have gotten there. I would have, I would hope I would have if I was still in Iowa, but again, following the breadcrumbs of like, what feels really good for you and, um, and then getting to watch how that unfolds for me, for life, for people is, is super, super fun because it's literally just finding evidence in the moments. <laughs> now the big question, what are your values? Number one, and number two, how do your values play into your desire to make an impact and the way that it's been unfolding for you? Yeah. Oh, such a good question. So I would have to say like my number one, cause people are people, what do you love? And I love growth. I value growth. Like it's how I breathe. It's so important for me to just be moving, to be evolving. And so I, when I say growth, I, growth and transformation, that's just part of my, my makeup, my, my DNA it's, and that started at a super young age too. There was always evolution and rebirth again, and all of my experiences and all of my moments. And while a lot of them are super tender <laughs> and, and uh, you know, even as a child or as a teenager, as a young adult, you don't really think about, uh, you know, what does this mean for me now in the moment when you're in kind of that experience. But I, I know that I've always known that this or something better. And so that growth and transformation value is so embedded in me. And that's what I love because when I show up for clients, it's not even work. And the best part about this, and I said this from, I said this a few years ago to my fiance, and I said, I want to get paid for being me. And it was kind of like this radical idea of like, who are you to get paid for being you? But I get to do that now because what I do with clients, the work that I get to do with clients is so embedded in me because it's from personal experience. It's lived experience. It's authentic. It's integrous. It's, it's real. It's, it's, I, I don't do, I don't do or teach anything I haven't been through myself. And that's another value of mine. That's really important is authenticity and integrity. I, and, and what's so fun about the word authenticity is that gets to be like ever evolving too, because we shape and shift. And so who I thought I was four years ago, when I, five years ago, when I first moved to San Diego was one expression of authenticity. And then who I am now is completely different. And so that gets to like be molded and be evolved. And, but that's really important to me. So, so my top one is definitely growth and transformation. And that shows up easily in my work with clients. Cause it's not just I'm living and breathing everything we're talking about. I would never ask someone to do something like I haven't experienced or willing to try myself. And, and then authenticity, that part. And I think what's so important about that is like, 
although it's not necessarily a value, I think it weaves in with integrity is embodiment and just embodying my values. And I'm not just talking about them, like I'm living and breathing them. And I think that is what creates authenticity too. Yeah. That um, integrity piece, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And people feel that that's energy. People know the difference between oh, whether sure. you're living this out or not. <laughs> I love that you said that your authenticity changes because I think sometimes that we can kind of get stuck in, well, this is who I am. Mm, right. That's yeah. not a static person. We are not static. No. As you said, I mean, especially if one of your values is growth, you couldn't possibly be the same person <laughs> no. today that you were yesterday, that you were last no. year, that you were 10 years ago. Right. 100%, yeah. So I, I think, you know, that's a really good point to make. And that is that we're ever evolving. Mm-hmm. And as long as we approach our authenticity with integrity, mm-hmm. then we truly will embody that. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. And our values get to like, all of it gets to change as we grow. And like, I would never have used those words 10 years ago. Like I wouldn't have known what that meant. I could have maybe like felt it, but I wouldn't have known really what that was. And so I think it's fun to like honor where we are and own all of it and own that we also get to be in progress and get to grow and get to evolve. And it doesn't have to be how it's always been. And it can look very different from how it, I mean, a year ago, would you even tell me that I just hosted my first retreat a year ago? Are you kidding me? Like talk about evolution and growth that can happen at like a quantum speed. It's really fun to like, just when you kind of get out of your own way and just allow life to kind of unfold. And again, with intention and aligned action and, and in, and in alignment with your values, it gets to be really fun. It doesn't have to be this process that we actually like, Oh, I've got to do life today. Like, Oh, I get to do life today. And that feels that's a different energetic response that we get to show up with and for. Absolutely. I think, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to listen to any of the podcasts, but the last two podcasts is with kids. All right. With teenagers, Mm -hmm. a 16 year old, and then a 15 year old. And you said something that made me think of them. And that was, you don't know if you would have used those words to describe what was going on. And what I find interesting, and one of the reasons that I wanted to interview these younger people is to find out when do we acquire the language of values? Mm, And it was really interesting to me how bright these girls were and how well they were able to verbalize what their values are. And I told them, I said, I want to talk to you in five years because I want to know (laughs) if you're going to say, if it's the same thing or if it's transitioned into something else, right. Or transformed. Mm -hmm. Right. And just, so that was just curious to me. And I love that you said that because again, you're 16 and you see the world in one way and the language that you use is going to be so different than when you're 26 or 36. hundred percent. And that's so fascinating. I love that you're having these conversations with teenagers too, to really like get it on paper, like get it recorded to like kind of hear their expression of what they're witnessing now. And then to be in reflection for that a year from now or a few years from now, I think that's so interesting and, and super, super cool of you both. Well, I think oh. I was going to say, Rachel, <laughs> Rachel and I also attempted to do it with my kids. <laughs> A little different. A little different age groups. A little different age groups. But I think something you said that I'm I'm definitely pondering on and has actually given me some compassion is this whole conversation of, of what was the language five years ago. And I think a lot about my teenage years, which were not easy. And I think about comparing the words rebellion with authenticity. And until your conversation, until what you just said of like not knowing 
kind of the words to use if those were to be the words. If I look back in this moment with this knowledge that you've just given me and I come from a lens of compassion, which is my new, which is my new tactic. Sorry about that. Love is that compassion. Compassion is mm-hmm. that was the word that I used to describe my authenticity was rebellion. That was what was being used to describe me trying to be authentic, as authentic as I knew how to be in those moments. And yeah, I just thank you for that. Cause I, I think we don't, give enough credit to language and word understanding because as you're moving from, I'm going to even bring it back to like 13 coming into those years, it is that journey of learning language and learning language from compassion and self-love. I have find in my own experience doesn't generally come until you're in your early, mid, late twenties. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're lucky. And, um, yeah, I just think that, that we don't give enough space for that journey of learning what those, those words are for us and what that authenticity actually means. Yeah. And I love that conversation too, for you. Cause it's also like, you know, we only know what we know when we're at that certain age, right? And we only know what people tell us. And so when we're acting out or when we're being different, right? That could, that's a label. That's, yeah. you know, that's, we have diagnosis for that in the book. <laughs> like that's, you know, that's rebellion. That, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that anything's wrong. That just yeah. means like w- something doesn't feel right to us. And we're acting out in a way to like find the fullest expression of that. And, yeah. and I think it, you're, I love compassion. And I do this so much with my clients, com- compassion and compassion and awareness of just like being able to fully like let go of the misunderstandings that have been placed on us and the misunderstandings that life, you know, life taught us and that we get to have forgiveness and compassionate, compassionate self-forgiveness and compassionate self-awareness around, um, yeah, around what, what people thought we should be or who, or how we should act or what we should think or say or do or be like guilty of all of that. Um, and it's been fun to kind of break free from, from, from the reins of that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah which is a perfect segue into the next question I want to ask you. And that is, how did you come to your values? I like that question. Um, well, values, let me think about that. A, they're shaped a hundred percent. They can be shaped and they can't not be knowing that, you know, we're programmed before the age of seven by our parents and everyone around us. So they can't not be shaped. And that doesn't mean they can't change. So I think for me, like I came to, I don't know if at 16, nobody asked me that question, what my values are at 16. So I don't know if I would have been able to put words to it, but I think for me, what came, how I discovered my values was literally through experience. Like I needed to know what felt so good for me in order to say, this is mine and I value this. And, and I think that life is the best teacher and life is always teaching us. And so it gets to really be this opportunity of constant reflection and constant mirroring of what's really important for us. How do we feel in these moments? Um, when are we out of alignment with our values? You know, cause values don't, you know, they're not, it's life, but they get to be broken down into many different segments, relationships, career, um, friendships, you know, hobbies, et cetera. And we get to figure out what, and you guys know this, obviously the wellness pie shop, <laughs> but, but are we, are we living in alignment with our values in all those different areas? And I don't, I don't know if I could have just like picked, I honestly don't know if I would have picked growth and transformation maybe because it was always such a part of me. But if I would have been like, you have to go through so much to get to where you are, like, this is the journey. I, 
I probably would have leaned in and been like, okay, cool. 15 years ago. But I think I probably would have chosen like, Hey, let it be really fun and easy also. <laughs> um, which is another one of my values to be completely honest, fun and joy and play. That's a blanket statement for me. I weave that into my life and there's been years and times and moments. And of course, experiences like all of us have where we, you know, we're kind of caught up in the what's wrong and the stress of things. And I always have to make sure to weave when I feel that energy and like energetically of like, I'm feeling really weighed down right now. I get to weave back in another one of my values of play and joy and fun. And that can be just like dancing it out to one song, you know, or that can be like drawing or literally playing, or I love jumping on a trampoline because it like channels my inner child. Like I love all of those kind of playful experiences. And so, um, and that really translates in my life and in all areas, because that's such a core value of mine. And it's something that I think society has kind of told us to let go of and grow up. And, you know, you can't make money playing and you can't make money being, you know, like joyful and all those things. And I, it's complete bullshit. So um, I love that it's when I really started being intentional about creating my life, that was something that was just a not negotiable for me was play and joy and fun, because it's everything to me <laughs> it's how I you know put you know put a smile on my face and it allows me to like take the break from the transformation because there gets to be duality and there gets to be beauty in, in both I think I, I think you're so right on about the whole playfulness piece of it because you know life can get so serious and even the idea of transformation if we think about transformation as a caterpillar into say a butterfly right? There's that period where you've got to hole up or you've got to cocoon yourself to be able to really know who you are. Right. And that, that can be, that can be really heavy. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a necessity in that heaviness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the duality is that even in that heaviness, you can still find a place to play. Yes. A thousand percent. And it's like a Phoenix rising from the ashes, like this rebirth and regeneration that gets to keep happening. But like, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And if we have to remember that we get to, we don't just have to wait for the light. We can actually bring that, um, bring that into our lives. And we just have to be cognizant of, you know, when, (laughs) when have we been kind of stuck in the, in the growth period or even fallen victim to like, it has to be hard right now before we can transition to, it gets to feel good and just being mindful of, of that experience too. So let me ask you, we talked a little bit about where your values came from, you know, did your parents or your family of origin have any part of developing those values? Absolutely. And I think like when I, it's so interesting because when I think back, like, of course, like, of course my parents shaped me, of course, of course my mother, um, cause she was basically a single mother raising me and my brothers, like, and my grandparents was such a huge part of that as well. But I would say it's so funny because the things that stand out most like growth and transformation, like hundred percent, I watched my mom go through that and experience that and, and, and continues to, and she really leans into the evolution of, of self. And so that was definitely something just witness. not, I wouldn't have known what that was growing up, but seeing it now as an adult and fully appreciating her for, for that embracing, I definitely think something I got from her, but it's really funny. Cause like, even like the, the authenticity and like the play and joy, like I can't even like pinpoint someone or somewhere where that's like, I witnessed that being a full expression and even, um, you know, even freedom is a really major value of mine. And, you know, that wasn't something that was encouraged growing up. So it's really like reflecting back on like, where did my values come from? Like, sure, they're influenced. And I really think it, it happened, they occurred, or they're so um, important for me now, because they're everything I wasn't able to have, or wasn't able to be. Mm -hmm. 
growing up. And so I, and, and because they're so important to me because they were part of my soul's essence and are my soul's essence that um, I think they found me through the experiences of not being able to truly embody them. So like having to play small and and not being able to fully express myself or being afraid of what people think. And like, you know, like that's the opposite of authenticity when really I just want to show up in my bigness, but people say big is too much. And so having to like play small for most of my life. And so I think like doing the opposite for so long really led me to embracing what really matters to me. And then through life and experiences, like I found how much I love freedom. That's a a huge part of my life. Um, And not just like freedom of, time but like space and energy I really like alone time I really value that from not having that for a long time or like you know working 40 hours a week I love like love 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 hardly working (laughs) it's so it's so amazing and I've created a life where I you know only see a couple clients a day because that's the space I get to create in my life and that's really valuable to me and so it's I think it's being so much without and it's funny processing this even in this conversation because I wasn't totally aware of it before but realizing how much I didn't have any of those things and then being able to like move um, and then realizing how um, how unwell that felt <laughs> and how out of alignment that and then being able to move towards those and really kind of embracing and being like oh yes this this is me. This is what makes me. I kind of look at it like it, you, your values evolved from lack. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The lack mm-hmm. of, and you had a need to be filled yeah. and it was that lack that actually helped you and catapulted you into filling yourself with those things that are important. Yeah. And so, I think that's wonderful so because <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people that when they have that lack, they become stuck in it. They become mired in the lack of whatever and don't have an opportunity to explore their values. Don't under, you know, don't have an opportunity to explore what's really important to themselves because they're so busy just surviving. Yeah. I also think, I also think too, that when people find that they are lacking they think the opposite is to over hustle And we definitely live in this world where you should, your caseload, a couple people a day is not, not enough. I put that in quotation, right? You know, like you should be working 40, 50, 60, 70, (laughs) 80 hours in a work week. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're, you're doing life wrong. You're not setting yourself up for future in the best way possible. And those are the narratives that as millennials, we learn and we are pushed forward to accomplish. If you're not coming out and working your ass off and working as hard as you can and having no downtime, then you're not doing it right. And so I applaud you for recognizing that. Um, Cause it's definitely something I struggle with too. It's like, I live a very flexible life. My work life balance is easy I don't work. I don't work often. And for a lot of people, that's not good enough. I'm not working hard enough. And what I'm hearing come out of your mouth, which is so validating is it is enough because it's whatever is enough for you is enough for for anybody else. 100%. And like, no shame to the people who want to hustle. I just, I'm actually terrified of burnout. If yeah. I'm going to be real, like I say that, like, <laughs> I don't want to burn out. And that's so important to me. And so when I said freedom, like freedom of space, yeah. energy, that is so, that is such a value of mine that like, 
I'm not willing to compromise that for a busy schedule. And as I grow and my business grows, of course, things are going to be more busy during seasons of my life. And I'm here for that. And ultimately, like the foundation gets to be built off, like always checking in with myself, like, does this feel good for me? And I think that that gets to be a really important lesson for people to hear is like, you don't have to do what people say, like you should be doing, like you actually trust yourself and your energy and your inner knowing about what feels good and forget the rest truly. And so I love hearing that you're (laughs) living out your best life too, because it doesn't have to look. And honestly, who says that more money equates more time? I would challenge that. Or really more ha- and, and more happiness. I mean, I you, my, yeah. my husband who's going into his residency is about to be working 90 hours a week. Yeah. And yes, he will be making a lot of money, but is money more valuable than time? He's going to miss recitals with the kids. He's going to miss opportunities to be on the farm. And yes, he loves his work and that, that is his passion. But in the grand scheme of things, is that more valuable than the space and time with yourself in the spaces that you want to be in? And I guess that's all dependent on the person, right? Because for yeah, some totally. people, what fills them is pursuing their passion and, and just mm-hmm. having it be all consuming because that works mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there are folks who are more, want more balance and that's great. And I'm, I place absolutely no judgment on there. And then there's people like me who... <laughs> who fill their lives with so many things, right? There's so much, there's the kids, there's the soccer practices, the Taekwondo, there's the ballet, there's, you know, everybody's stuff. And the wife that just works and works and work to your point of, you know, not being able to attend a lot of these things and I'm attending it. And yet there's, there's, you know, that piece for myself that's missing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think Elliot, what I I'm getting from this is that while I take a little bit of time, you know, I have to remember that I have to check in with myself. I have to check in and say, Hey, you know, is all this busy, busy, busy stuff providing me the, the space and the compassion that I want for myself. Mm Yeah. 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 And I love that awareness for you, Dina. Um, And just to even add that, um, I love that you're a seven on the Enneagram. So we know that there's always multiple (laughs) things going on (laughs) multiple times. That's part of the personality. And, but what gets to be a, like a reflection of that too, is sometimes people busy themselves to avoid, right? And so sometimes the space and time, we don't actually want to have to be with ourselves because what the fuck would we say and do or hear about I know you're not talking about me right there. (laughs) Now that I've filled my life since I can't (laughs) run anymore, I have to get all this other stuff because I can't run away. Exactly. Right. But it like gets to have this awareness of like, cause we can swing, we can swing to working too much and we can swing to not being in action at all. And like, there's a balance that gets to, and it gets to be like a doobie doobie. One of my mentors calls it a doobie doobie do experience of like doing and being. And we get to like really figure out what that um, looks and feels like for all of us at different degrees. And it doesn't mean we're always in action and it doesn't mean we're not always just waiting for and creating space. Right. And so I love the awareness around that. And, and it gets to be like, okay, well, how do you feel? Like, how does Dina feel in this moment? Like what does Dina need? And always checking in and coming back because, you know, this is a conversation about values and if values is taking care, one of your values is making sure like you're taking care of, even though growing up, you know, we're taught to always make sure others are taking care of, especially when you have a family, I think it gets to be a really important conversation around why are your needs not being valued 
Excellent. I, I also want to say too, Dina, um, sitting in this conversation, besides the 16 year olds, Elliot is the only other guest that we have had that has been close to my age. <laughs> and you're only a few years older than me, Elliot. And I find it interesting because yes, Dean, from the time that I've known you, which has been a few years now, and Elliot, I'm going to assume is going to say the same thing that I'm about to say. Over the last few years, you have dedicated more of the time that you are spending to things that fill your cup up and around the type of people, Elliot and I in this conversation, <laughs> that are are creating more space for themselves. And I think you're doing that just because you know that that's where you're, that's where you want to be. And you want to fill your cup up more with time. That is what does Dina want? And so I just want to applaud you for that because that is something that I think everybody in your life has noticed that you do a lot of things, but I would say more so than when I first met you, those things are things that Dina wants to do. Yeah. Things that feel good. Mm -hmm. You're, I, I think that that's a really good observation. And interestingly enough, as we've talked about before, this podcast is one of those things that 100%. fills me because I get to learn. And the one thing I do know about myself, and it's right on what you said, is that surrounding myself with the people yeah. that possess those qualities that I desire. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, in high school, it was, okay, who are the people who are going to be going to college and surrounding my self with people like that or the other good runners or whatever. And then in college, well, that's a whole different story, but after (laughs) (laughs) there was some skews there, (laughs) you know, but yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always felt it's really important to be around the people that I most want to emulate. Mm -hmm. So good. And what you focus on grows, right? So the more that you're surrounded by those people or just in these conversations or just like, you know, like, um, looking at, or like reading about, like it just in the energy of like what you focus on expands. And so you get to, um, I think that that's such a beautiful reflection, Rachel, that you pointed out for Dina, because I have witnessed Dina in a full cycle and it's been so fun to watch her kind of really embody and kind of come up with this new, because running was her outlet, right? Like running was her, like, that was her savior. She'd run on her lunch break, run after work. Like, and then when she wasn't really able to do that anymore, it was interesting, like as watching her try to find something that felt as good and, mm-hmm. and, and as connecting, right. Cause you, that, that really gave you purpose. And I know how powerful that, um, that, uh, activity was for you. And so I love that there's like, and not even just the, the podcast is like just the latest thing, which is yeah. so fun, but it's like, you know, the equine, like I watched her go to town creating and like the meetings and the paperwork to be able for y'all to, to like bring this to life. Like I, you know, that was so beautiful to like find her so immersed in something that not only served others, but also ultimately like serves like something for her. And so I think it's like, it's, it doesn't always look like space, like how we're talking. And I think it can look like in the micro moments yeah. of following the breadcrumbs where you really get to come alive towards what feels really fucking good for you. I have to say that I tend to be guarded, right? <laughs> about, <shut up. laughs> but one of the things that, you know, I'm appreciating about today is that I'm able to sort of tap into the realness and that, you know, I think it's important for our listeners to understand that because we're having this podcast does not make us experts, no. right? We are just having a conversation because <laughs> anyone on this podcast, any guest, anyone listening knows as much about values as I know. Mm-hmm. And I can't speak for Rachel, but I 
think that she's probably with me on that one. I don't know, maybe you've read more about it than I have, but um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all about discovery and just talking yeah. to people and, and being able to, I, I think you said it perfectly, surround myself with the kinds of people who I want to emulate because learning about other people's values and what motivated them to get to the place that they are. And if we're selecting people that whose, whose lives appear at least on the outside. And we all know that there's many different facets to folks and not just the one that's shown to us. I, I think that, you know, this podcast provides that space to do that. So another thing I think about the podcast and this one specifically, and I, it's a lot to do with you, Elliot is validation that this is a learning curve and that this is a new process and that there's always something to grow in knowledge when we have a guest on this podcast or when we have a listener say something about something they've learned on the podcast is it's validating that nobody knows everything about this and that it's a trial and error process for people and everybody is learning and changing and growing in the conversation and topic of values. And this one specifically with you, Elliot, is like, and you said it perfectly is, is we live in a world where people don't want you to be big. They want you to stay small. And I find a lot of comfort in that statement and you exploring, taking up space and being space. And because yeah, for me personally, I have the two narratives. I'm not enough and I'm too much. And so listening to you and listening to you explore how that has come to be is really just uh, inspiring and and validating. So I really appreciate you and your journey because you've made a lot of those choices to take the space. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that reflection. And I really appreciate that. And what I love just even just full circle of all of this is like the authenticity of it, right? Like it gets to, nobody here is on a pedestal and doesn't get to be, I think that's bullshit. (laughs) And I think that that's not fun. Like when you rather be with someone who, who, you know, who doesn't hold a status to you, when you rather know that somebody has been through something similar or somebody who at least if they haven't been through it, then they can at least understand and empathize with your experiences and your pain. And that's what I love about just people in general, because there's, we're always in reflection and it's so fun to witness as you calibrate (laughs) the people in your life calibrate. And they're always reflecting back to you, your level of calibration. And that's a really fun experiment to test out in life. My brain is exploding. (laughs) (laughs) And to witness with people and like, oh, who am I? Who's in my field right now? Who am I attracting right now? And like, what, what, what energy am I um, giving that that's allowing me to kind of receive that? Cause we're, we're just always in reflection, reflection and life's a mirror. And so I love that even just me sharing about my experiences and how I came to be gets to be expanding and gets to like create that, um, that that awareness piece for, for anyone else listening for you or for whomever may be listening that just gets to be like, Hey, we're, we're all right here. And like, nobody's, nobody's there or gone or better or anything like that. It gets to just be a conversation of, um, of like realness. And, um, and that's, I think what I love about authenticity, it's like, you don't get to be anybody else but yourself. And there's no expectation to be when you just own who the fuck you are. <laughs> and it takes all the other pressure off about having to be like somebody else. Cause if I own authenticity as one of my values, then nobody shame me for not being like somebody else. And I think that that's really powerful to like really embody, to be like, oh, I can let go of the expectations because I am me and I can't be anyone else. And I don't yeah. want to be. What I would like to ask you now 
is, do you have a secret that gets you through or that, you know, what's, what's the secret ingredient for you, for your wellness pie? Mm, great question. I love the way that's even phrased. My Scorpio moon loves that it like gets to be a secret. That's, and of course, coming from another Scorpio. <laughs> Oh God, too many Scorpios in this conversation for this Virgo. Easy. I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo. I just have okay. a Scorpio moon. Okay. <laughs> Love Virgos though. So intellectual. <laughs> Love to understand things. Yes. Yeah. What's my secret to what gets me through? I think it's, per- well, to put it so lightly, it's um, perception. And I choose to, when something doesn't sound like it's in my favor or my lens or my viewpoint of something isn't actually elevating me, then I know I get to change my perception around it because that's Mm. my power. Like nobody's perception is subjective. And so I can choose to see it a certain way based on old programming and a certain worldview. And also I get to choose to see it another way if if I don't think that it's serving me. So perception. So even choosing to look at life as life, um, happening for me instead of to me, it gives me a, a more empowered state of living. And so that's why I talked about like growth and transformation. And like, I just like lean in and like, this is part of my process and I get to learn from this. And as I grow, um, it, it, you know, makes me a better leader. It makes me a better coach. It makes me a better embodied leader. And so I, I kind of like choose to look at it through the lens of like, how does this elevate me versus how does this disempower me? Cause we're taught the disempowerment part. We're taught the victim mindset part. That's what's kind of coached into us most of our lives, but not many of us are coached into the way of like, how does this work for me? And just even being able to like shift that frame of mind and that perception. And then from there, everything changes. Like life literally changes from that perception from the moment the perception shifts. So um, that's probably one of my secrets. I love that that's a question though, because I've never been asked it that way. And so I'm, I'm going to keep that nugget of wisdom if somebody asks me that again, because that's kind of like, that's so embodied in me and it's just a part of oh, um, how I live my life. And so um, I hope that that helps someone else too. Absolutely. I really enjoy that because perception, whether we perceive something as positive or negative, right, is subjective. And, you know, you're absolutely right. We tend to approach things like, oh my God, this bad thing happened, right? right. And what the experts tell us is if we can shift that around and look at what can we learn from that, what they're really saying is how can you shift your perception? And I think that that's a gentler and more compact compassionate way of approaching the situation rather than just looking at it from a hard logical lens. Totally. Yeah. Like I hear you and it's not, I hear you, but, but like, I hear you and like, I get that. And, um, what might be a more empowering way for us to take a look at this? Like what supports you versus disempowers you. And I think that that's like, that's such an energetic exchange that like, if we were all just walking around a little bit more empowered, like it would be a completely different world. And I love what you said earlier, Rachel, about compassionate. And like, we all just had a little bit more of that energy because um, what we give, we we receive. And so I think, <laughs> I think life would be a little bit um, more at peace for all of us. But until then, like we get to, we get to create that awareness in ourselves and you guys get to hold a platform that gets to share this with so many other people and they get to learn from that. And so one life at a time creates like a much bigger, better world. So really, really grateful for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Rachel, you got anything else? I'm thinking a lot, which is always good. I love that. I love that about these conversations. This is my first podcast back in a long time, like almost a month. Yeah. And so I like forgotten the development and growth that always happen in these conversations. 
And I'm really happy that it was you, Elliot. I just, there's a lot of similarities in our story that I don't even think you know about. And so it just Mm. feels very validating in a lot of ways. And Dina, it just, having this conversation with Elliot, knowing that Elliot has kind of known you for a while and like just seeing the growth that you've had and in, in this direction that we're talking about just makes me very proud and very grateful to be on that journey with you. So yeah, I just feel good. Uh, Elliot, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to spend some time thinking about this and I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to editing so I can hear it over again, because that's always really helpful to make things stick a little bit more. Yeah. I was encouraged to maybe write things down, but Mm -hmm. it seems like work. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank Thanks. you so much, Elliot. Have a yeah, wonderful you, afternoon. Both. Yes, you too. And stay we'll in touch. Yep. Definitely. Sounds All righty. Great. Thank you Ready. again. Yep. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. So Rachel, it's great to have you back. And I think this was a great podcast. I feel my brain felt like it just expanded tenfold. Yeah. I'm like really excited to be back. And it's just, I think especially in this chapter of my life right now, like this podcast is going to be such a grounding thing for me. And I feel even before where I was, and I would say that I was a listener as much as a interviewee or participant or whatever is, I feel like the podcast during this chapter of my life, I'm really coming in as a listener and, and having this, this episode with Elliot just really got me excited to be that. And yeah, as always, it's just wonderful. And I'm excited for the next one. Same here, same here. And um, to all our listeners, thanks for listening and check us out on Facebook and Instagram. All righty. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye. Bye.